from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast Tech Corner. And now, join me in welcoming your host and CISO, James Azar. Hey folks, Veteran November James Azar here. How are y'all doing today? I got a very, very special episode. Not everyone who serves in our military is male. We do have females in the service and the bravest and finest women this country has ever done. Joining me today, Lacey Robertson. She is the Senior Manager for Information Security. Larcy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, James, and thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So folks, Veteran November, for those, if this is the first time you're listening to, if this is your first episode, it's 26 podcast over the month of November, sorry, Saturday's a day off. Get off your phones, get off your computers, go do something with yourself, like something other than computers um, and TV. And so 26 episodes with veterans who are in InfoSec, highlighting, honoring, and kind of inspiring everyone who's looking into a career in InfoSec to, to, to see like what it's like and also just honoring our veterans for, for 26 days instead of two. Um, might be a bit more uh, positive and effective. And so here we are, Veteran November. So subscribe now if you haven't. Make sure you go tune back and listen to all the previous episodes. And we've got a lot more coming up. And Larcy, tell us a little bit about how you ended up in the service, what branch you served in, and how long you were in for. Well, I'm from small town Oklahoma. And uh, I uh, went to college on a soccer scholarship right out of high school. I realized I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So two years in, changed my major multiple times and eventually talked to a recruiter and uh, seemed like that was a better uh, idea rather than continuing on um, in college, not really knowing what I wanted to do. Um, so that was a, a door that opened for me. And of course, to help pay for college, I, I was on a, I, on a sports scholarship, which was quite helpful, but also working um, multiple jobs to make ends meet um, as a 20 year old was tough. So I joined the military at the age of 20, right after my second year in college and uh, a whole new world opened up for me. And I spent, ended up spending 10 years um, in the Navy as a signals intelligence analyst. Um, where I got to do lots of different things, uh, travel to different places on two different ships, and even introduced me to the cyber world in doing uh, uh, cyber defense operations when I was in. So a long time ago, um, but yeah, I, I joined right out of college and uh, I loved it. I met my husband there. We built a family. He was in the Navy as well. And then he ended up switching over to the Army and retiring there just a few years ago. Uh, so that's uh, that's my military story. It's, it's a brilliant military story because this is the first time, folks, that we've had someone join not immediately after high school. Um, and so, so that's, 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 that's awesome. So, so you learned a little bit of cyber in the military. Um, did, did that start right after signal kind of, you got introduced to the, to the cyber kind of world and, and then how has that kind of transitioned into the civilian life? Well, I was signals intelligence at different, uh, different duty stations. And then I was on a ship and got transferred to, um, the Navy cyber defense operations command. I was actually a plank owner and I have a 
fancy little plaque for it too. <laughs> um, my husband and I both were stationed there together. He was an incident responder. Um, uh, back then they called, you know, they were CTMs before they switched them to network uh, CTNs. And uh, we both were there. I was what we would call the first uh, cyber threat intelligence analyst as a you know, signals intelligence with nodal analysis training. And uh, so that was my introduction to it way back 2005. And uh, then I went back into signals intelligence back to a ship um, after that. And I really did enjoy that job. It was probably one of the very um, most rewarding and new and challenging uh, duty station where I got to do the different things. Um, I wasn't well liked because I was in charge of the entire block, uh, the block list for the Navy. So that was always interesting uh, to have me doing that and people not really getting what they wanted when it came to, you know, the way we were doing things. But things have come a long way. I'm sure they don't have someone that's hated like I was, me and my team. So that was a fun, it was fun. I really loved it. Like would the chat room go quiet when you walked in? Like with your team to, you know, like all of a sudden you realized they were talking about like, you know, internet censorship on the ship? Well, so I wasn't on the ship when I was doing that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> this is more of a, because I was, I'm sure duty in a hole, you know how they do, but um, yeah. throw you in there to do your job. Um, so not many people in the Navy actually knew what we were doing. So until it affected them on a daily basis, um, I have some fun stories. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that's awesome. So you know, one of the d most difficult things for veterans always is transitioning from the military. And you come from, a, you were telling me earlier, you come from a military family. So you've kind of grown up, kind of embraced by people who've served our nation. And so the, the, the most difficult part that we see is kind of that transition from having purpose and structure in the military to becoming a civilian again. What was that transition like for you? Uh, it was not so bad because I went from, you know, the Navy and getting out with my husband joining the Army. I went right into the Army world. So I was kind of um, still under that umbrella of structure because I was around more military people, um, more veterans um, in jobs that I took. So it wasn't so bad. Now, fast forward uh, eight years from when I actually got out of the Navy and jumping into the corporate America world where I am no longer surrounded by a bunch of veterans. It, it's a lot different. Um, I realized that a lot of the acronyms that I knew were not the same. <laughs> you think that there's a difference between Navy and Army acronyms, um, then throw in you know civilian acronyms. It's, it becomes a whole new world. Things that I thought I knew and later went, oh, that's not what they meant. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, a lot of different things, you know, the expectations aren't always laid out like we had in the military. And, and so that's something that I, I really did kind of thrive in that environment where, you know, we have a plan, we um, know who's doing what and when, and, you know, we, we do it, we have a strategy. That isn't always the case in every, in every corporate job that I've had. It's been very like, uh, you know, I guess, block and tackle type um, atmospheres. So kind of when you look at, 
you know, your transition from Navy to kind of being, you know, in, in the army hugging kind of environment, which a lot of people go through that, right? Especially in, I think, people who come from signal or IT, they either end up in kind of like the defense industrial complex where, you know, you're working for one of the contractors, you go, you know, for being enlisted to the contractor and you spend another decade or so, you know, kind of still in that, in that, um, world of military but then you know that's signal and infosec we also know that some of our combat or people who were in other non-it units who you know could have been ship repair could have been you know mechanics all of that once they leave the service sometimes they find themselves a little bit lost right and so right. you know we kind of see them trying to find purpose in 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 and in their life. And then sometimes, you know, they're not very successful. We, we obviously know a lot of the, the damning statistics around veterans, you know, the 22 a day, the, the amount of homelessness and drug abuse and alcohol abuse that, that go on, uh, for, for a lot of the, the men and women who serve in, in, in our military, when you kind of, did, did you find, you know, going to the army and then from the army into the civilian world, did you find that to be an easier transition or was the transition also extremely sudden from going from the army to the civilian kind of going active duty to working in jobs with veterans and people who were in the service where there's that mutual respect, that code, that acronym, that kind of like understanding to now all of a sudden cut I'm out, And now I'm a civilian. Yeah. I gained a huge appreciation for those sponsors. I don't know if you, how many times you moved around, but you know, you get assigned a sponsor at your next job where they're um, reaching out to you before you even come to let you know what you're going to be doing, where you're going to live, um, give you pointers on where to go for housing, for your kids for school or whatever. Um, imagine doing not doing that anymore because you show up in a new place that you aren't familiar with um, jobs. You're not sure what you're going to do. You're going to go find one. Um, you're kind of on your own. You don't have the you know, military resources for job hunting in a new city if you're not near a base. So that was very, um, that was tough for me. I happened to move from Korea to Dallas. So that in itself was a culture shock after being overseas for a few years for my children, for me, for my husband um, coming in trying to find a new job that fit our family and, and making sure that we could, you know, fall into place, I guess. Not having that um, support system that we're used to, um, I definitely gained a huge appreciation. So now something I've learned is, you know, make those connections early. If it's on Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever it is, and reach out and ask questions and get help. I struggled quite a bit for the first two months because I didn't know anyone. I knew no one. I was, you know, living with family with my two children until my husband came. And uh, it was, you know, I felt like I felt very alone. So I do realize that, you know, we do have to make the effort to reach out and find those people that are your support because they're not, you know, quite as accessible as they were when you were in the military. So I definitely gained an appreciation for that. And I try to do my best when I see people you know, online saying, hey, I need some help in this area, or I'm going here, you know, ask them, answer questions that they may have. I, I'm trying to do be better on that, because, you know, I realize that it is so hard. And I just want to be any type of help I can, because I remember that feeling. And I remember the hustle I had to do to find a job after, you know, not having that anymore, those connections. So that's definitely something I gained from that transition and what was so different for me. Yeah, I will say for, for those listening, um, I, I, 
you know, I, I kind of started this whole no- veteran November movement um, with a LinkedIn post that, that went completely viral. And out of the blue one afternoon, Larcy sends me a message. She goes, hey, I'd love to be on. And I said, sure. And she goes, do you need more people? And then she started a chain of LinkedIn messages that have brought on, I think, seven or eight more folks on onto this month and helped fill uh, some voids that, that needed to be filled. And, and I'm so grateful because we didn't even know each other. You just saw what I was doing and you're just like, bam, 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 and connecting. And, and, and I'm grateful for that. And, and that's definitely your, 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 your servitude, kind of your, your, what you were just talking about right now. Like I saw that, I felt it, I experienced it right there. And that's, um, you know, kudos to you. Thank you. Um, I, I can't imagine where, you know, I might still be looking for more people if it wasn't for you. Awesome. I'm glad I could help. And I obviously know a ton of good, great veterans. I have the list can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, the, the most fascinating part, um, for a lot of veterans who transition, right. Is, um, there, there are several aspects to the transition, Right. And I've spoken about this in previous episodes as well, um, which is the valuing your skills that you've gained from the service and applying them to the civilian world. How did you see how were you what kind of help or or what was some of your best practices in terms of kind of like translating the skills that, that you you earned in the military? Right. And you're not given skills in the military. You're you earn every medal. You earn every raise. You earn every rank. You no one gives you anything. Um, you earn it. And so how, how did you translate that to the civilian world? What were some of your best practices? What helped you do that? I think figuring out what terms um, were used in, you know, corporate America um, on resumes is, is definitely something you have to do because if I put down um, something that I may have done and nobody else does it, because that kind of was an idea that I had in my head too when I left the service is that, you know, there I'm not going to be able to find a job like this ever again. So I need to pick something that's, you know, more, um, you know, civilian friendly. And I, realized just a few years later that wasn't true it's just called something else so you might have to figure out what that is that they're calling it um obviously cyber threat intelligence is somewhat new to corporate america but it's it's been here just had didn't have a name um i didn't know that that what they were calling it so i was looking for that type of role um in when i left uh korea to find a place that i felt like this would be the best place to go as far as my career because before that, honestly, I was taking any technology type job I could find and that could I would get hired for because we were moving every two years. And uh, you can't be picky sometimes. You just got to put yourself out there, learn something new and do what you can. Um, I definitely use a lot of scenarios to tell, you know, interviewers what I thought um was similar um, in experiences. And it, that seems to be very helpful whenever you say, you know, I haven't done this thing, but I did something like it. And here's an example. Um, I I found that pretty helpful because on occasion, there are some things that I clearly was, had never done before, but I was able to articulate that I was capable of learning and I knew something about it. So you, you have a very interesting story and I think you might be the first in our series to do this where both you and your husband were both in the military 
you met in the Navy. You, you remind me of my um, very good friend, Patricia. She was actually uh, at my place yesterday. Um, she's uh, she's now has her own company and she's, uh, she's a, a subcontractor. Um, she was also on the Navy. She was also in the Navy, met her husband in the Navy, um, got married, came back. Um, they were in the Middle East. They, they didn't have the opportunity to be in Korea. And they came back. Uh, in fact, I think their second child was born in the Middle East. Uh, and um, they came back to the States. And now, you know, she uh, for a while worked in the, you know, defense industry complex. And, and he went completely commercial, um, you know, working for one of the, the, the uh, Fortune, I think, 50s in, 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 in the Atlanta area. And, you know, th their story is very similar because their transition was different than people who just kind of walk away. Right. Um, mm -hmm. She was able to go into the defense industry complex. He was able to go into a fortune company. And so th they still had each other. And a few years ago, she started her own business. And, you know, she now works with a lot of veterans um, in, in that aspect. But the, the interesting part of that is you still had your husband in the military. So you were still surrounded by the military. Um, and, and when you look at that, now you look back at that and obviously that, that really did help you kind of find yourself, but also, like you said, you were moving every two years. So what was that kind of, what was that like in terms of just finding a new role every two years? Cause we often talk about veterans, right? Trying to transition, but you were transitioning every two years for a period of eight years, I'm assuming. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've done, let's see, you've probably got, you've done more transitions than anyone else on the show. Cause I'm counting what five transitions. I, yeah, I think so. Um, I even went back to college right after I left the Navy <laughs> as a full-time student too and didn't didn't find a job. Now that was an interesting spot. I did go home uh, back to my hometown and went full-time uh, student to finish my bachelor's degree. And uh, that was that was interesting um, while my husband was deployed. So, so, so tell another... us a little bit about that. <laughs> I think tell us, you know, a lot of people who, who, a lot of veterans who leave the service sometimes... Um, try to enlist back in college, but it's very awkward to go back to college, right? It's very, you're, you're at a different maturity level. You have a different set of discipline and, you know, college in America is kind of like Chuck E. Cheese, right? Like if you have kids and you ever take your kids to Chuck E. Cheese, it's pretty much Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I just remember being full a in a classroom full of very young people. And I was at the end of, I, I was, 30. I was at the end of my <laughs> 20s, but I was 30. And I had two children of my own. And uh, I would sit at the front of the classroom. The way I approached college was completely different as a, a veteran. And I was sitting at the front. I was raising my hand. I was way more engaged. Um, embarrassingly, in one of the classes, my professor actually said, you know, ask the questions. And he's like, besides someone besides Larcy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, that that was a little embarrassing, but you know, I I realized that you know I I kind of you know wanted to it kind of pushed me to be better in my acad academia and and I wanted to accomplish this and I was learning some new things and it was just a different uh, different atmosphere than when you're 18, 19 years old to go back into college after you know ten years in the military. I I did have fun. But I had to reinvent myself too in that in that atmosphere because you know it's a whole different 
a different world. Um, it's that whole uh, Adam Sandler movie where he goes back to school. Everybody's seen the Billy movie. Madison. I really, Billy Madison. Yep. <laughs> I really did feel like that <laughs> a little bit, just because you know it's mind blowing. You see uh, kids coming, just like you say, Chuck E. Cheese. Um, you they come in in their pajamas and slippers and and not being respectful to the teacher sometimes by you know going to sleep. Well, the teacher doesn't care. You, they get paid regardless if you pay attention or not. So and I'm you're sure. paying to be there. You're paying. <laughs> So I saw those things happening in my classrooms and it was kind of like, wow, I would never do that. I wanted to like go and yell at them, you know, (laughs) just put myself (laughs) back. I've taught some classes where people were falling asleep um, when I was in the military because they were so exhausted. It wasn't because they didn't like what I had to say or didn't care. It's because they were actually exhausted. Or (laughs) got drunk. You're forgetting yeah. got drunk or were out partying the night before. Could be true, but I like to think the best of people that that's not the case. <laughs> I, 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 I applause you for that. I applaud you for it. Um, and, and I too like to think the best of people, but I also am a uh, pessimist in the fact that reality is reality. If someone's swerving while driving, there's one or two reasons for it. They're either in trouble or they're drunk. Mm-hmm. Could be. That's true. I don't think they were drunk when I was teaching them classes on the ship, though. No, I'm not talking about the ship. I'm talking about college. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about college. The kid that shows up in their pajamas and puts, you know, puts their backpack on the table and puts their head down and goes to sleep. Yeah. Um, Those are typically not not the people who are, uh, I'd say, predominantly it's, it's because they've made some difficult choices the day before. Yeah, that could be true. Definitely. The, 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 there's an aspect of that um, that exists because I feel like you know it, it, it's it's different I mean I, I lived in Israel I tell you know most people already know this but uh, you know I, I say it all the time on my podcast I lived in Israel for six years five years um, where I met you know my wife now and and, um, and and spent some time and everyone in Israel does the military right mm-hmm. so I remember my first job interview in Israel um I show up in a five-piece suit because that's what you show up for. And in Israel, everything is casual. People were looking at me like I was, you know, like the Baron Rothschild, right? Like like yeah. I'm the president. Or like, um, and this was June in Israel. Oh, wow. It was like 105 degrees, 100% humidity. Like under that suit, it I was wet. <laughs> like I was just wet. Um. And the lady that was interviewing me goes, um, James, you're, you've got everything you need to do with this job. Never wear a suit again for a job interview in Israel. She goes, you can show up in dress pants and a shirt, and that's overdressing. She oh, goes, wow. up until five years ago, our, our Knesset, which is the parliament members in Israel, didn't have a dress code. She goes, only five years ago, they gave him a dress code that made him wear like suits to the chambers. Before that... She goes, go look at the archives. People would show up with like jeans and and, and, and button up shirts or polo shirts or t-shirts. I'm like, wow, Israel's very casual in that aspect. Um, but but in Israel, everyone does military. And so your first interview question everywhere you go is, what'd you do in the service? And here in the States, that's not the case. Only 1% of us do the service, right? And only 1% of us go into the, into the service. And um, 99% think that what they know of the military comes from the entertainment industry and not really from the people who do it. Yeah. 
I believe that if you're able, everyone should um, ride out of high school, just like Israel, just like Korea actually has it too, not for women, but for men when they right. um, graduate high school, they do two years of service of some sort, um, either police or military or something, someplace where they need people to fill in the gaps, I guess. Um, I think it'd be a great idea for America to do that, but, um, you know. I, yeah. I actually agree, you know, um, um, you know, the idea of, the GI Bill, right? And one of the reasons um, the GI Bill is 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 so popular is because colleges become so expensive, right? right. And colleges become such an. I mean, people leave college a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Think that you're starting your right. life a hundred thousand dollars in debt. I just can't. I can't wrap my head around it. I don't think I would ever even attempt at that. Honestly, <laughs> right? That's a lot of money. And, mm -hmm. and you're, you're 22 years old, right? You don't have the maturity, what you have, you know, how many 22 year olds when they leave college with a degree? No, at 18, you're supposed to make a decision as to what you want to do for the rest of your life at 18. Right. Uh, you know, in I, gave Israel, my, I gave myself two years to try to figure it out and I couldn't do it. So I can't imagine how that happens. Yeah. I mean, in that that's the one thing where uh, I've made the argument that if we just did a national mandatory two year national service here, where everyone had to do something for two years, and this can go into um, healthcare, this can go into running a municipality. So think of all your municipality employees. Think of the you know I wouldn't say necessarily police department. Israel's a small country of nine million people, right? Um, and so it's easier to enact service in countries where you've got, you know, 9 million people, 30 million people. I think Korea is what, like 30 million people. Um, so so it's, it's a little different than 300 and, you know, 30 million Americans. Um, and, and every state, you know, is I mean, Dallas is different from Austin. Austin's mm -hmm. different from Houston. Houston's different from Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City's different from Kansas City and Tucson and and and, and Phoenix right. and hell, even California's different, right? Like San Diego's different from LA, and they're like forty minutes apart. And then you know, LA's different from San Francisco, and San Francisco's different from Sacramento. Like our nation is very different, but I think that's our advantage. And I think if we found some sort of way to do civil service here, um, it 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 it. It help us see each other differently. I think so. I think it would cure some of the divisions that have been, you know, that that exist. Because people would appreciate the country a little bit more. Yes, I think I. Um, that is one of the things we gain as veterans is going into, um, you know, a different service and seeing the different people from all over the country and and how different we are. I didn't realize that we were that different. I mean, I grew up in a small town. We, I didn't know about different jobs. I was, it was eye opening for that different people growing up in different environments and even just climate can change their, the way they see things. Um, you know, whenever we're going to a new place, um, never seen snow before. It's just, just different things. So if you imagine, you know, if you're placed in an atmosphere with all of these different views, um, how that might impact you. I, I, I understand it a little more now, um, a more patient and uh, understanding of people's I ideas and their viewpoints. Um, not everybody gets that, which is why we are so divided, I think, when it comes to certain topics. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard to find the common ground when we can't find the commonality in all of us sometimes. And that's, that's, that's 
something right. that the military does does take care of. Okay, so we're almost out of time. So I want to ask you, um, um, and, and we didn't get to what you're doing today. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing today. We're we're going to go a little over, folks. Sorry, Larcy's just very interesting. So you know, I don't I don't I don't think you guys are going to mind this. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing today. Well, obviously, I have a long background of Intel, so that's my you know subject matter expertise, I suppose. But now I'm I'm doing a little a few different things, trying to learn different roles in information security. So I'm I'm working with the AppSec team. I'm working with merger acquisition and divestors and I'm doing some project management um, for McKesson. And uh, we are, you know, just trying to make our network as secure as it can be. The mission always. So let me ask you this. Um, you know, uh, th- that's one thing, uh, InfoSec, for those who are listening who may not be in InfoSec and go like every job I've tried since I've left the service hasn't had any purpose, InfoSec does give you that purpose. Um, it yes. really does. You feel like when you go to sleep at night, you know that you go to sleep well because you know you're doing a service and you know you're helping you know, keep this country safe, uh, because this country is run by businesses and these businesses, if, if, if they're just hacked and, 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 and stolen from them, they wouldn't exist and we wouldn't have jobs and thus we wouldn't have an economy. Um, and, and the other part of that is you you feel like you wake up in the morning with also a sense of purpose. Like you have that sense of purpose every single day. Yes, I agree. And I definitely need that. Yeah, I think when you're, you're 10 years, I mean, you served a lot longer than I did. So so 10 years is, is, is a very long time. So let me ask you this final question for the show. Um, and then we'll have to say bye to Larcy, but I promise we'll probably bring her back on to talk about, you know, counter threat intel. Um, Larcy, so so tell us um, uh, cyber threat intel. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said counter threat intel. I don't know. It's, it's Friday. We're recording this on a Friday and Halloween's tomorrow. Like, like I'm already thinking of all the trick or treaters and how I'm gonna freak him out. I'm wondering how many like masks I should pull out. Oh, how many do you have? Um, so cyber masks, I've got probably around twelve or thirteen different cyber masks. But then I have really funny political masks as well, and then I've got a few um, like superhero masks. So I'm debating how I'm gonna use my ring doorbell to decide which mask I'm gonna put on for every oh, group of kids that come to the door. Good idea. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm thinking when I see the older folks, like the grandparents bring in the grandkids, I'm going to put on my Ronald Reagan one. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. That's funny. right. Um, so, so tell us one thing you loved about your military service. One thing I loved traveling. It's probably my favorite thing is seeing the world um, from a different lens, I guess, and uh, having the opportunity to meet new and different cultures and uh, just, uh, you know, opening is eye opening. So I'm very grateful for all the opportunities I was given. And then of course, it set me up for my career today. Of course, and I'm extremely grateful for that. So um, yeah, that's my favorite thing is traveling and you know, the opportunities it's given me. Love it. Larcy, for all your help. Thank you for your service. Thank you. My pleasure. doing what you're doing for the community you're definitely an asset in the infosec community and can if people are looking for help and kind of direction can they reach out to you absolutely i would love to help okay i'll have larcy's linkedin um below if you're a vendor and you try to sell her something i and 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 the link comes from this podcast i will choke you um <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm not violent um, on Fridays, um, but 
um, but but um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm at, I've 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 silenced myself, Larcy. I've silenced myself. Um, that, that, Larcy, thank you again for for coming on the show, folks. That's another one in the books for Veteran November. We have plenty more coming every single day at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, except Saturdays. Except Saturdays, a new episode with a new veteran airs for you guys to enjoy, inspire, share this with your um, friends, with your colleagues, with your kids um, that can go and maybe gain uh, a free cyber education through our armed services and then make a career out of it later. Um, there's definitely um, a lot with this as well um, because the military is pretty cool. And as you can tell, if you've been listening to all the episodes before this, you don't hear anyone being like, wow, it wasn't, it wasn't a good time, James. Uh, I, I didn't enjoy the military. Let me tell you, my drill sergeant, he was a, you know, no, everyone comes out of the military really with appreciation for what those men and women do so that's it again folks thank you so much for uh larcy thanks so much for listening and tuning in make sure you subscribe to the podcast we'll be back with more tomorrow until then folks stay healthy stay cyber safe Sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues and get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com. Cyber.